Welcome everybody to the Kingdom Link Podcast. We are so excited and honored that you chose to join us today. We have an amazing episode for you today, and I'm so glad that I have my partner with me, my father, Tim W. Gill. Thank you, David. Man, it's great to be here today on this, a brand new podcast uh, for Kingdom Link, and uh, we thank you for being with us. We're in for a treat today. Absolutely. Uh, David and I recently sat down with um, Pastor Michael Yadinichek and also uh, our associate pastor, Pastor Timothy Gothra, and discussed ministry, uh, youth ministry, discussed culture. Man, it was a great time. And it, it, and it was so powerful. We, we broke it down. We're going to have to break it down into two parts. So today we begin with part one. And... Uh, I think I think David that uh, to say that it was really touching would, would be an understatement. I, I I believe it really impacted me. Absolutely. How about you? Absolutely. I I agree in the same way with uh, new opportunities that have come up in my life. Uh, being able to meet with Pastor Yarnacek, it was really just I felt like a sponge the entire time, Amen. And just ready. And if you are a young leader or a young minister, you need to listen to the things he has to say because they are going to deeply impact your life. Absolutely. And so we sit down uh, with Pastor Jay, and here's what, uh, what we had. So take a listen. And today we have a broad spectrum of ministry with us uh, at the podcast table. And first of all, I want to introduce for the first time on Kingdom Link our uh, associate pastor at MPC, and uh, he is not only our associate pastor, he is my son-in-law, father of two great-grandchildren that I have, the great great girls. Uh, it's wonderful. Thank you for making me a poppy. Uh, thank you so much for being here today. Uh, pastor Timothy is a gifted preacher. If you listen to the MPC podcast, you can hear his messages dynamic. He is also a gifted uh, worship leader, songwriter, lover of truth. And uh, Pastor Timothy, it's really great to have you here today. If you would, just just say hello to our, our listeners and uh, say a few words. What's up, family? I am so excited to be here with you, stoked about what we're going to talk about today. I pray that uh, this is a blessing to you, and uh, God bless you. Amen. Thank you. Also, our our very special guest that we have with us today, and uh, is none other than Pastor Michael Yadinichek from Wellston, Ohio. Uh, Pastor Jay is uh, the husband to lovely sister Rachel, a tremendous lady of God. Also, father to three great kids: Michaela, um, Emma, and Bennett. And he pastors. Uh, Life Source Apostolic Church in Wellston, Ohio. Uh, he is also a resource officer at a school at the high school there, and uh, a great leader, an influencer of men and uh, ministry. Uh, most of all, he's my friend. I'm really glad to have with us today, Pastor Jay. If you would just just uh, say hello to our our listeners and kind of just greet them. Well, it is great to be here. I am pumped like a kid in a candy store, um, not just to have this discussion on this podcast, but to be with these three other amazing men in their own right, 
um, and hopefully to find some things that can be said that will be a help help to all of us. Um, I definitely don't have all the answers, but I do have a little bit of experience. So I'm, I'm blessed. I'm so blessed just to be a part of this today. We're, we're delighted to have you with us today. Um, tell us a little bit about your, your calling. Um, this is, for those of you that have been listening, you understand that we are based on ministry. Our leadership philosophy is based on ministry. So there is a connection between ministry and leadership. But tell us a little bit about your calling and how that, that where that took you. A- absolutely. Um, so, you know, a snapshot is my dad pastored in Mesa City, Iowa. They passed for about 10 years. When I was in Iowa, I was always getting in trouble. Me and my brother, we were just hated living in the glass house of ministry. And so we did everything that we could to rebel against that. Um, my mom and dad gave up the church, and we relocated when I was in eighth grade um, to Wisconsin, got to Christian school. It literally changed my life, wearing a stinking tie every day to school. Um, but it changed my life. I got involved in ministry, got involved in Bible studies. I got the Holy Ghost at 14 years old. Um, I always knew, Brother Gill, that I wanted to do something in ministry. I felt like my dad had cornered the market on the whole pastoring thing, so that was never, preaching was never an idea. I said, man, that'd be so sweet if I could be <laughs> called into that. But I, I, you know, I was singing in choirs. We did a lot of, um, several tours. I had a band. Me and my brother had a band. We toured with some friends, um, some surrounding states. I knew that my song was going was taking me places, Right. and I... I I fell in love with the presence of God. So I, when I got to Carlsbad after Bible college, um, I was just like, I'll be a youth pastor. I'll be a youth leader. I don't need to be a preacher. I don't need to do, you know, Brother Bingham has that. Brother Bingham just kept on loving me and counseling me mm-hmm. and saying, um, just helping me to see the the whole spectrum of ministry. Yes. That... Um, so anyway, so I started doing that. I learned how to preach um, or started preaching when I was out there. I preached a lot of the Indian reservations. Um, so I'd come back home and people would say, wow, you know, you've come so far. Well, they didn't know that I, I preached mm-hmm. in every little place it felt like on the planet. And just that calling started maturing in me. So I never said, man, I felt the call to preach. I've never felt that. I felt like it was more of a responsibility. My calling, I felt like, was to minister to people. So that was through song. That was through um, loving young people, loving people in general. Mm -hmm. That I felt like that calling was there. One of the vehicles that has helped has been through the preaching aspect. And so that has kind of taken me... Um, to where I am today. You know, I think that, that what you're saying is very uh, much what Bishop Wall says in our conversation wow. with him, and that is, it's like I, I didn't know where I was going to go, mm-hmm. but I walked in every opportunity to minister that I could. Yeah. And I think that's a great le- lesson for every young person or somebody that's stepping into ministry is is you may have thoughts about where you're going or what, what you're going to do, but Right now, you operate where you are. And if the passion is ministry, the doors will open. Absolutely. Right. Yeah. Something that we want to talk about today is um, being 
uh, in a fake world. We're living in a fake world that uh, we've got fake news. We've got so many reality shows. We have social media. And it's really hard to find authenticity. So in a fake world, uh, Pastor Jay, uh, you're, you are one of the most authentic persons that I know. You're real to the core and have been ever since I've, I've known you for years. But watching you through, through the years and through some, some ups and downs of ministry is that you have remained real. And that, to me, is so attractive in a good leader. Uh, how, how has that evolved for you, being real? Um, I think there's a couple things. Number one is whether it was, it was always exampled in front of me. Um, the, the, two things. Number one, I saw real people that loved God, that came from whatever they came from. They were good with it. Mm-hmm. This was their testimony. So I've seen that. But I've also seen the other side of the spectrum. I'm sick to death of all the fakes. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, I don't want that. I don't want to be the guy that gets up on the platform and does his thing and acts like he loves everybody. Not that everybody, but I've just seen if it's one, it's too many. So I think that that has inspired me, the good and the bad. Mm -hmm. Um, The right and the wrong has inspired me. To pursue that, I think that how I am in my worship, how I am in my personality, I think that's that's who I am. I I'm the guy. I I don't want to be diplomatic to everybody. I don't want people people to feel like they're being processed. Mm-hmm. Um, the art of 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 having the, this conversation and right. and you're lifting them up and tearing them whatever. I just want to, let's just get to the gusto. Let's just get to the point. That, so that's my personality. Okay. So I think that's one of the things. Number two is being raised in church in this aspect where um, uh, transparency mm-hmm. is supposed to be in Christianity. Right. You're, there's supposed to be an element. There's supposed to be a repentant life. Right. So I've come through that. I've learned which has been a process, I've learned to be comfortable in my own shoes. Mm. So I've learned... Say that again. I've learned to be comfortable in my own shoes. That's a powerful statement. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So I I just, you know, unfortunately, I'm not you. I'm not you. um, But I'm me. And so instead of trying to be like everybody else, and I had a revelation um, probably several years ago that I was really struggling with my identity. And again, we're talking about being real and authentic. Right. right. But I had this struggle that I was like, I need to be more like this preacher and I need to do it more like this. And look at look at what's happening in their ministry. I want those results. And so the only way to get there is to be like them. And so I was really struggling and thank God that I was I had my early morning prayer. And I was being faithful, and God spoke to me one day, and it was like he wrote me a blank check, and he says, you know, I saved you, Michael. All that pertains to you, I called you. Stop trying to be like everybody else. Yeah. Not that I was, I, I just had this inner conflict. And so I think that, again, through those same three things, the good, the bad, um, learning how to be comfortable in my own shoes, that it has helped me to to be as authentic as possible. 
And I think what you 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 alluded to is the tendency sometimes in ministry to be manipulative. And when people are fake, they tend to manipulate people to their point or manipulate people to follow them. And uh, that's so dangerous today. Very dangerous. It's so dangerous. And um, I, I feel like that when people's life is based on their Instagram post, it's based and their ministry is based on that, then they're setting themselves up for a disastrous fall and not being real. And so I think it's very important that we be real. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I, uh, I, know, I know that when we began the podcast, we talked about you uh, being a list of things that you do in your ministry mm-hmm. and do them very well. One of the difficulties in ministry is effectively, and I don't like this word, but I'm going to use it, balancing ministry, full-time job, if you have it, uh, family, other ministry projects that you got going on, serving your community. Uh, everybody has their own way of dealing with that. And so right now in this particular position in your life, how are you working to balance and juggle all those those responsibilities. I speak in tongues every day. <laughs> no, it, it is um, you know not so much that I have a solution to this because I'm definitely in the trench. Um, my time has never been as restricted as it is today, um, and I find myself oftentimes, and I, I made this statement not too long ago that I'm trying to find my feet, trying to find the balance. That balance seems to be not a destination, but a pursuit of, I, I want more. I want the balance in in my relationship with God, my private, personal time with God, um, my marriage, my family, um, the things that matter most, the church, the requirements of the church, building a team. Um, and then, of course, now that I'm the school resource officer for the, dis- the district of Wellston, Ohio, so um, the school district. So... I find myself that, you know, when you say yes to something, you're saying no to something else. And I'm trying to get it to where that with the priorities staying in front of me that are most important, that I only have so much time. Mm -hmm. And this is hard for me because I feel like, you know, the whole Sabbath thing, God, I can't take a Sabbath because how is this world going to work without me working? You know, (laughs) it's like, But God has shown me that there's a reason I gave you the body of Christ. And so the challenge is in that balance is when you feel any kind of a vacuum um, that now we're we're training people, we're putting things in place to where the vacuum or the emptiness is not so, uh, what's the word? It's not so obvious to others. So let's do what we're doing really good. This, so this is my answer. So I, I'm trying to do what I do really good, trying to keep that in front of me, and then do whatever I've got to do to fix up those other things that are on the peripheral. Yeah. And, and I, um, I've served on panels and discussions and had this question uh, given. I think it seems like every every time we get to a conference or pastoral conference or leadership conferences that this question comes up. 
because it is such a challenge. If you have multiple things in your life that you're trying to do, uh, multiple ministries and uh, family and, and keeping up with everything, I think it is a misnomer to say that I'm balancing my life. I, I, I like the word blending, mm-hmm. that I'm going to blend these things together. And uh, so uh, that's the challenge. Yeah, uh, go ahead. Can I say one more thing? Yeah. So as, as we're talking about this, I think the one thing that I do know, whether I'm in balance or not, I do know this, that you cannot live long-term filled with stress. Yes. You, you cannot... It's hard to lead on empty, as one author wrote a book about. So I know that I've got to have the right team. I know that I've got to be able to maintain doing what I do good. I need to know what I do good and make sure that I don't sacrifice my passion and what motivates me. Mm -hmm. So I think sometimes when you're in a building, there's some parts of the construction that go really fast. And there's some parts of the construction that go really slow. Right. So if I can know my season, and this is what I've tried to tap into, if I can, if you're in the middle of a storm, whether it's on the Sea of Galilee, that's not the time to pull out your journal and a piece of paper and try and find a dry spot and start charting down and writing down your your mm-hmm. your your thoughts. That's the time to hold on for dear life, mm-hmm. make it through the storm. And I think that in my life right now, not that it's like this horrible storm, but it is a storm of all these things that are being thrown at me that I've taken on new responsibilities. And so I feel like I almost have to maintain, because once I get through the storm, when the wind stops blowing and the waves stop crashing mm-hmm. over the bow, I'm going I'm, I'm to have progressed, but I think that I'm going to have some time to settle down and to make some strategic changes that right now is probably not the time to do it. Right. Does that make sense? Oh, it, it, absolutely. Absolutely. I, I think that uh, the um, scripture that comes to my mind, my dad used to say this, quote this, where Jesus told his disciples, come apart. My dad used to say, you either come apart or you'll fall apart. You know, I, I want to be busy about the kingdom, and one, one, one analogy is I'd rather go down at sea than rest out at a dry dock. But neither one of those options sound good to me. Right. I don't think that that's what the options are. The options are understanding this is a season. I'm in this season, and I'll work with this in this season because the seasons do change. Yep. And so responsibilities changes. I mean, you know, Pastor Timothy, you've got young children. Your responsibility is different than than Pastor Jay, whose children are now growing up, and then David, who's married and and have no kids, just getting married. So all these seasons, they change. And I think it's knowing God in those seasons and in those moments. Yeah. So I appreciate that. Thank you very much. That's for, good. for that, that, that. That's a very important topic to talk about, balanced. So uh, earlier we talked about how you are a resource officer for your school district. Right. And uh, so that, that's a school district of about 1,500, you said? Yeah, 1,500 students. That's awesome. That is completely awesome. So how does being in that environment, and I know that you are a man that just loves young people. I've seen it firsthand, and 
I, it just amazes me. But how has that impacted your ministry and your vision being in that constantly? Well, because we're on a podcast, I'm not going to scream. <laughs> but I am so pumped, so pumped about this opportunity. I, I had a little history on this. So I have served our city as a chaplain for the police department for the last almost 14-ish years, 13 and a half, 14 years. And so when I started coming, I'm like, my wife has been working in the school as a substitute for the last 11 years. Wow. And so she was already there. And I'm like, I feel like this is probably my chance if I'm ever going to do this to do it. So I went through the academy with the desire and I felt the prodding of, the, of God to get into our school system. Yeah. And so when I passed all the tests, when I got through the, the Ohio Police Academy and then became hired full-time as um, a police officer, and then we already had a, a resource officer in place, and I actually went to my boss and said, listen, this is my perspective. I'm going to just plan on going into school, whether they find the funds for a second officer or something happens to our officer, um, I'm going to just pray. I'm going to just believe. He said, good for, good with me. So it was like a week or two before school started that I had been praying about the situation. That resource officer got another job, which actually was a bump up job, where she lives working with her husband, mm. and it opened up mm. the school. So there, we have four buildings um, that I kind of run around um, throughout the school year. So how is it? It is open up. Youth ministry has always been one of my greatest passions, Absolutely. watching young people. Because I feel like if I can impact a young person, I can save their adulthood. Yeah. Okay? So it opens up that I'm always in the mission field. This, this is what I've, I've prayed many times. I've prayed many times that, God, I always want to be around sinners. Hmm. Wow. I never want to have a ministry that is so focused on just the upkeep of the sanctuary in the sense that I'm never dealing with. I've got to teach somebody a Bible study that doesn't know Jesus. I've got to reach some broken. And what has happened, and the school has allowed me to do this. My office is at the high school, but I, I hit all the other schools. When there's problems, I'm not a licensed counselor, um, but they allow me to do my pastor thing. They allow me to That's encourage. Awesome. They allow me to, and we have counselors. We have Hopewell that comes in, and they do the professional counseling. But when there's a situation, typically I don't really get involved unless there's a criminal criminal act. But they allow me to do my pastor thing. Some of them don't know to call me Officer J or Pastor J. And so I have kids that are coming, sitting in my office, um, that will just weep. You know, one wow. child, one child said. Um, she was distraught. I had to go pick her up. She wasn't going to come to school. So I bring her to school. I'm talking to her. If you need anything, let the office know. You can come to my office, mm -hmm. whatever. So she comes to my office, and now she's crying. We've had a conversation, and she says, I don't know what to do. My mom tells me every single day that I'm not wanted. My, my. She regrets ever having me. There's obviously the, the, the destruction of the home support. And so it's been one after another that we've been dealing with these kids. So how has it enhanced my ministry? Oh, my goodness. It has exploded in ministry because I don't want to do a job. I refuse. 
I refuse to do a job that I'm going to miss church. I refuse. I'm 44. I refuse to do a job that I'm not going to be able to help bring people to Jesus. And some of them, in bringing them to Jesus, they need a lunch. Some of them coming to Jesus. Jesus did it all the time. Yeah, he, he fed 5,000. Yeah. He would feed their physical, and then he would feed their spiritual. Right. And so I feel like in my ministry today, I feel like I'm more effective than I have ever been. I don't know right. if that's true or not, but I just feel like, God, you called me and planted me in Wellston, Ohio. It's not Columbus. It's not Detroit. It's Wellston, Ohio. Why would I not be profitable and productive with where God has planted me. Right. So this, the key of being a resource officer or a cop in the school, it has, through the police department, and thank God for all the officials of my city, that they all love me and they all allow me to do my thing. Um, They trust me, I think, is it. But I can touch any aspect of my city through the police station. Well. Every door, I have the key to every single door. And now, not only my wife, because she's been there. She's the, they call her Mama J. She's Mama J to the school, to the high school. And people come and they talk to her. And we're bringing in, my daughter's bringing in just a bunch of kids that are coming in and having the, the apostolic experience. They can choose whatever they want to do after that. And I could talk for a long time about this. But has it enhanced my ministry? Absolutely. <laughs> Has it taken my ministry to a whole new level? Absolutely. Um, it is It is so exciting because every single day, every single day, I'm ministering to somebody, whether it's a staff or it's a student. Wow. That's awesome. So uh, going off of that, what, what kind of advice, because you are in that all the time. You are in the kids' lives. You are at the school. You deal with it firsthand. And a lot of young leaders, young pastors, uh, student pastors or whatever, they don't have that opportunity to be with those kids. What kind of advice would you give to someone as a youth leader or a youth pastor that isn't there all the time to, to handle the things that, you know, that young people are dealing with? I would, I would again, I would scream, <laughs> um, headbang a little bit, and I, I, but this is what I would scream. You can't affect people you're not involved with. Right. You can't. Right. You can ask God to give you everything that you want, but until you get off your knees of, in prayer and start loving people, Jesus did not spend his entire ministry at the church praying. No. Oh, that's good. He had to have that. He had to have that those retreats up the mountain in prayer, and, right. and he had to fuel himself. But you can't win people that you're not involved in. And I've... I've tried. I've tried to com- encourage people and young people. I just had a conversation the other day with a young leader that I said, if I was you, if I was you, I, I would go try and find a police department, ride with an officer, so you can see the other side of that, whether it's a first responder, a firefighter, EMS, or police or not. Mm-hmm. You've got to find the niche mm-hmm. that nobody is tapping into. In yeah. your community, you can stop doing what we always do, right? Expecting different results, and the reason we always—I feel the Holy Ghost—and the reason we always go down the same road is because it doesn't cost that much. Wow, the road is already paved. Yeah, wow. yeah. yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> you know, Jesus, the Bible says, and the and the Pharisees meant it for a slam, but 
he said, they said of him, said, this man eats with sinners. And what they meant for Islam was really a, uh, a plan for us. And that's to get into their lives in whatever way that looks like. What is the greatest challenge that you find being a 44-year-old pastor dealing with 15-year-olds, 14-year-olds, that in this culture, there's no absolutes, there's no real true foundation, even in a small town. Uh, what's some of the biggest challenges working with that age group that you're encountering as a youth pastor, resource officer, <laughs> and, and doing that is, I think it's outstanding that you're doing ministry as as a resource officer. Yeah, it, it's a lot of fun. Um, well, I'll tell you what, it, what's not my biggest challenge, being culturally relevant. Mm. That's not my, my greatest concern. Okay. You know, having... What, what do you mean by that? I, I mean, the terminology. I mean, you know, my family knows there's some terminology that I, I don't use. Um, I don't dress like them a lot of times. I mean, I'm, I'm 44 and I'm who I am. I, I know some ministry that they spend all of their, this is what I call it, change in my pocket. Everybody has change in your pocket, okay. which is influence. Okay. And you control where you invest that. If you want to just throw it unto the swine, right? Casting your pearl before swine, you can throw it there, you can squander it, you can waste it, or you can invest it. But we all have change in our pocket. Okay. That's My good. brother taught me that years ago. That's good. So when when we're in this, some people use their change in their pocket just to be relevant. We're just I'll tell you what's relevant. Jesus' love towards mankind. Amen. Caring people. We have people that won't get involved in our breaking chains addiction class at home because they've never been an addict. Well, they so so here's here's just a funny. So I carry a taser on my person in uniform. And so kids are always asking me, have you tased anybody? Have you been tased? I'm like, no, I've not been tased. You have a taser and you've never been tased. And so this is my, my follow-up to that. I have a loaded 40 caliber Glock 22. And <laughs> I carry it, but I've never been shot. Okay, so I don't have to be where they are to right. care about them. So right. so that's the first thing. It doesn't, I'm not spending all my 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 influence on being relevant to them. That's but good. what I'm doing is the biggest thing is I've got to get these kids to trust me, mm. which takes time. Absolutely. You, you don't just get that in a second. Yeah. Yeah. Can I jump in real quick? Absolutely. Um, Amos chapter five. This is a, a cool passage that um, I've been looking at uh, recently. And, and this is the message translation. And it says, um, I can't stand your religious meetings. I'm fed up with your conferences and your conventions. Mm. I want nothing to do with your religion projects, your pretentious slogans and goals. I'm sick of your fundraising schemes, your public relations and image making. I've had all that I can take of your noisy ego. I think we get so caught up in how we do it here in this building. Yeah. And 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 uh, we measure our uh, outreach to people based on uh, conferences from these huge worship artists and all these things. And it's awesome to have all that kind of stuff. But I think what we're understanding today, man, is that this is all about reaching people. People aren't looking for 
all those lights. They're not looking for all of this, how perfect you can do it. They're looking for someone to care, someone to love, someone who gets into their life. And that's what brings change. That's what makes change. Amen. Can I piggyback off of that? I heard a quote several years ago that I've used several times, and it's, if the world is good at entertainment, the church should be great at relationships. Mm. So, so say, it, say that again. If the world is good at entertainment, yeah, then the church should be great at relationships. And when we take Christianity and make it simple that anybody can eat of it, mm. rather than so so Colleen Moore, she started our breaking chains, and this this was her slogan to life, and she's passed on, and she had a powerful her ministry is still impacting people. But she always said that God wants us to meet people at where they are, Mm. not at my level of expectation. Mm. That's good. Meet people where they are. So in my ministry, um, I'm just trying to meet people where they are. Yeah. Yeah. Some of them, you can't fix it. Some kids come to school as a retreat from their home life. It's the only point in their life that they feel valuable. Yeah. That one girl that I was talking about, when when people are looking at them and parents are looking at them and says, you're not valuable by all the phraseology that they're using. And so I'm saying, I always have a, a slogan or a quote on my board. And so I'm starting the year out with a quote that's, you are valuable, exclamation point. I don't care where you are, who you are, boy, girl, how much mm-hmm. money, where you slept last night, I don't care. You're alive, so you're valuable. Mm-hmm. So if I can meet people there, yeah. then maybe in time, and I've been, I've been in that city for 15 years, maybe I can build their trust. Because if I can get them to trust me, and number two is they've got to see that my life matters. What I'm passionate most about is authentic and real, which is Jesus Christ, that it can change people's lives. And we have kids. Two girls came in their softball um, uniform. And they just had to get here right after their game. Came to a service. It was a slow, It was a small service, and um, by the time they left, both of them crying, their uh, mascara running down their face. Both of them filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost. In wow. fact, the kids are telling their friends, "When you come, just get ready. You're going to cry. I don't cry. I don't cry. I don't cry." <laughs> and so there's been all these stories yeah. of of lives that have been changed. People that I used to work with as a chaplain in the police department that their daughter has now been in our church. They may not choose it. I don't want that life. That's fine. But they've been exposed to it, which means that there is something that is in them, an ideology that has been attacked and ruined because they felt of the authentic love of God. What a fantastic conversation we are having with uh, Pastor Michael Yadonichek and Pastor Timothy Gothra. Uh, David and I are just blessed to have them here in the studio. Uh, This has been part one of our conversation, and we'll continue part two on our next podcast as uh, Pastor Jay continues to remind us of the power of servant leadership and loving people. You know, they say that leadership is influence, and good leaders give themselves to impact people and help them reach their optimum. Isn't that what ministry is all about? Once again, thank you for joining us today on Kingdom Link Podcast. We are committed to connect leaders of every generation 
We invite you to join us every first and third Thursday of each month as we publish a new podcast and get connected with us. Plan on joining us again in our next podcast as we continue our conversation with Timothy Gothra and Micah Yarnacek. Thank you for subscribing to Kingdom Link. We appreciate you sharing us with your friends and on your social media streams. We appreciate all the reviews. It helps us get the word out. Remember, leadership only matters if it is passed on. Mm -hmm.